One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, Guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168. 800-264-3168. Hi, this is Linda Pearl, and you're listening to TV Confidential. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. Ed Robertson and author guest Mark Pendergrass. Mark is the author of For God, Country, and Coca-Cola, an epic-length history of the great American soft drink that was recently updated as a revised third edition through basic books. You can find For God, Country, and Coca-Cola in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. We're going to talk about some of the most famous television ads that Coca-Cola has run over the years in just a second. But first, real quickly, Mark, you may not know this. The listeners know this. I'm, I, I grew up in San Francisco, and I lived in San Francisco up until a few years ago. And being a Giants fan, you know, uh, whether you watch them in person or at AT&T Park or watch them on television, if a fly ball gets hit to the outfield, the first thing you see other than the player is the giant Coke bottle in the back of left field. So that's, you know, obviously Coke play, paid a lot of money for that, but uh, that's good marketing. Well, and they've been doing that with sporting events for decades. Uh, it, it, I, I can certainly go you better than the Giants with uh, the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. You should see their model. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, Coke has been masterful at uh, making its, uh, its advertising ubiquitous. In the very early days, they hired itinerant painters to paint Coca-Cola all over the sides of barns and roofs and things like that uh, so that you just couldn't get away from it. Uh, there's a funny story in the book from a 1906 sales meeting where one of the salesmen said that somebody come up to him and said, I never had a Coca-Cola, but, but your advertising is so uh, uh, terrible, it's effective, that I kept having nightmares where I would be chased by a red and white clad uh, uh, devil saying, Coca-Cola, 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 so I had to go drink one or I'd go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Two of the most famous television spots in the history of Coca-Cola uh, is the one, uh, I, I guess the formal name of it is the Hilltop ad. Which that's, that's the one with uh, the features, I like to teach the world to sing, uh, which originally aired in 1971. And then eight years later, the famous ad uh, with Mean Joe Green. What's the story behind those two spots, Mark? It was during the Vietnam War uh, that Coca-Cola was trying to come up with some kind of advertisement 
that would appeal both to young hippies and older traditional people. And they came up with the Real Thing uh, campaign, which is really brilliant. It, it was the real, authentic, traditional thing, and it was also the real thing that the hippies were looking for, something authentic. And the hilltop ad, they assembled all these uh, teenagers on a hilltop in Italy dressed in their native garb, each one holding a Coca-Cola bottle as if it were a, a religious object. And they all sang, as you know, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And the idea was that we wouldn't have any more Vietnam Wars or any wars at all if only everybody would drink Coca-Cola, which is... Uh, seemingly ridiculous idea, but it was a very effective ad, and still is. You know, I, I sing that uh, sometimes when I'm giving a talk, and everybody joins in. Everybody knows that song. The Minjo Green commercial was unusual in a lot of ways, because really, you know, this was in 1979. Up until the 60s, Coca-Cola didn't even use black actors in their ads. So here was this almost Othello-like figure of this huge black uh, football player who's limping back uh, along, you know, into the locker room, and this little kid comes up and calls after him, you know, Mean Joe, Mean Joe, I think you're the best ever. And he just says, oh, yeah, yeah, right, kid. And then uh, the kid offers him a Coca-Cola, and Mean Joe upends it, and in one glorious chug... He drinks a 16-ounce Coca-Cola, and then he throws the kid his jersey. And it was a, a very effective commercial that was replicated all over the world mm -hmm. with sports heroes and soccer and all kinds of other sports. What I thought was funny about the ad was that I found out that Mean Joe Green had to do something like 16 takes, <laughs> and he threw up after the, after the fourth one. Uh, uh, and they they ended up using the first take. <laughs> well, yes, which is that, well again that's that's ironic. And he's he's swilling uh, full bottles of real Coke, not Diet Coke. So you got all the syrup and all that stuff. You know, that's that's going to. I mean, even if you're a big athlete like him, that's going to affect your system. One would think so. <laughs> I don't think he did that as a as a regular thing. I'm sure they paid him a lot of money to do that. I'm sure I'm I'm, I'm sure he did. And I wouldn't be surprised if he never drank a Coca Cola again after that. Mm. Coke has done a lot of interesting uh, ads recently. The you know their their current uh, theme is called Open Happiness, mm -hmm. and that actually came out of a commercial before they had that theme where. Uh, it was a little animated thing where a guy comes and puts a nickel into a Coke vending machine, and it shows this little fantasy Rube Goldberg thing inside where uh, all kinds of cute little creatures uh, produce the Coke that rolls out of the machine, and it's the happiness factory is the machine. So um, they've done some really clever ads. They have done some very clever ads. You mentioned earlier in, in, in talking about mean Joe Green, that up to that point, they had not used a lot of black actors as spokesmen. A few years after that, they made a deal with Bill Cosby. Uh, just uh, It was either just before or just after his NBC show premiered. And that, well, that kind of backfired on, Co on, on Cosby because he ended up endorsing both original Coke and new Coke. That's right. You know, they used Cosby for the first time during the Pepsi Challenge of the 1970s, mm -hmm. and he was very effective in making fun 
of uh, Pepsi and, and showing, he said, you know, they never show anybody picking Coke, do they? Uh, and he would mug, and he, it was very effective. But then when New Coke came out, you know, they had him wearing a ridiculous Roman toga and saying, you know, the best just got better. And a lot of people made fun of him and said, you know, Bill is, is talking out of both sides of his mouth. They made a lot of fun. You know, it, at that time, just before it, uh, the ad campaign was Coke is It, which is also a very good campaign. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people then said, well, Coke was it or Coke are it, because there were two of them then when they brought back the old one. So it was kind of a disaster. Yes, which explains why he more why Cosby more or less stayed with Jello. Which, yeah. which, 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 <laughs> Pepsi, Pepsi had its own problems with Michael Jackson. His hair caught on fire during one of their ads. That's right. That's right. Uh, he, he he was very effective for them for a while, but then he, when he was accused of child abuse, they dropped him like a hot potato. Yeah. Well, well, image is everything with the company. Right. So that, that, that's an interesting thing, by the way. Coca Cola has always placed the drink itself at the center of their commercials. They may use a celebrity, but the drink itself is almost is the icon. Mm -hmm. With Pepsi, they use lifestyle advertising where uh, if you drink Pepsi, you'll be cool or you'll be identified with this particular celebrity. It's, it's not the same thing, and they, and they continue to do that. Pepsi is brash. They'll... They'll do irreverent uh, things, whereas Coke is much more conservative and more likely to tug at your heartstrings. We're talking to Mark Pendergrast. Mark is the author of For God, Country, and Coca-Cola, an epic-length history of the great American soft drink that was recently updated as a revised third edition through Basic Books. You can find For God, Country and Coca-Cola and bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. For more information on Mark Pendergrass, go to Mark's website, which is MarkPendergrass.com. One, one of the fun things about Mark's book is that it includes 35 business lessons that we can learn from the history of of Coca-Cola, some of which uh, we, we've kind of touched on in, in the use, and like uh, Mark, Mark just touched on it a little bit briefly, using celebrity wisely, uh, but in, in such a way that, it, that, the, that the spot is not about the celebrity, but the product. Yes, yes, that's true. But also, uh, one, well, one of the core business lessons that we can learn from Coca-Cola is believe in your product. And Coke has, you know, that, that has served Coke well Although, in the case of New Coke, that almost backfired on them. Well, what happened was, you know, if you, if you inculcate uh, your employees with the idea that your product is like holy water or communion wine, and then you go and change it, uh, that could be a problem. And it was a problem for the consumers as well. On the whole, though, I mean, if you look at the result of the New Coke debacle, it actually turned out well for the company. The same product that had been losing market share for 20 years began to gain market share uh, after they brought back Coke Classic. Well, uh, so it reminded people of what it meant to them. And without that kind of religious fervor about it, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, uh, the, the point I was getting at is they believed in themselves, 
But in, in, in the case of the New Coke campaign, they believed in themselves to the point of hubris and that they never considered the possibility that New Coke might bomb. Well, I think that's true. They were kind of uh, so sure of themselves that uh, it backfired on them. But another one of my uh, little business lessons is um, to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And they were flexible enough to to not go down with the ship. <laughs> yeah, no, and and you know they 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 were flexible enough to change within three months. With three uh, within three months, um, the original Coke was back on the market as Coca Cola Classic. They could have sat and, and and wrote it out a little bit more, but they realized okay, they cut their losses and you know they they went they they went from there. Another business lesson in uh, that you cite in For God Country and Coca Cola Cola is Welcome competition. That's right. Several people in the Coke's history have said that if Pepsi uh, didn't exist, we would have to invent them. <laughs> uh, the color wars have been very good for both companies because it makes people think of which cola do I want mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, what other kind of drink do I want. And and do I want Coke or Pepsi? They don't think about RC Cola or Virgin Cola or, or whatever else is out there. Mm -hmm. So people love uh, this big competition, and it has actually been quite good for both of them. The competition is real enough. Coca-Cola, for a long time, inside their company headquarters, it was forbidden to use the word Pepsi to, to say that. They called it the P word mm -hmm. or the uh, imitator or the competitor, but... They wouldn't say Pepsi, but those those days are gone now. Which brings me to my final question, and this kind of stems from the idea of welcome competition. How did you manage to get Coca-Cola to let you publish the secret formula in your book? Well, they didn't. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that they actually let me. Uh, they were kind enough to... Uh, let me into their archives while I was doing the initial research for the book, and they gave me a uh, formula book from John Pemberton, which is the inventor of Coca-Cola, and they told me that it was from his time in Columbus before Georgia, before he went to Atlanta. But that clearly wasn't true because, you know, one of the formulas in there actually used Coca-Cola as part of it. But I was astonished when I found this formula that had a it had an X on the top of the page. It didn't say Coca Cola, but it had F E Coca in it. Well, that's fluid extract of Coca. Mm -hmm. It had all these essential oils in it. And as I looked at it carefully, I thought, My God, this is you know this is the formula for Coca Cola. So I uh, I put it in the book. And in this in this latest edition, the great granddaughter of Frank Robinson, who was the man who was Pemberton's partner, who named Coca Cola, who wrote out the script that we're also familiar with, and who did early advertising, and who also manufactured the drink. Um, this great granddaughter gave me a copy of uh, his formula in his handwriting, and that is in the book as a facsimile copy. So. Uh, and the two formulas are, are quite similar, but not exactly the same. So they were clearly fiddling about with it. And what they're using now is similar, but not exactly the same. So what I've got in the book is not the formula they currently use. It's the original formula. Okay, so it's, it's the original formula. I, what, what I'm trying to remember is 
um, and I don't remember whether you're quoting someone or paraphrasing, but you, you published the original formula, which is not the current fo formula. And as far as Coca-Cola is concerned, they're not worried about it because even if we're, someone <coughs> were to try to produce a product based on the original program uh, formula, the Coca-Cola is confident that, that the public would still buy theirs. Oh, well, I think you're talking about the very end of the book at the... Uh in, in the appendix about the sacred formula, mm -hmm. I, I told about this really remarkable conversation I had with a Coke spokesman. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hurt the company. I mm -hmm. was kind of worried about publishing this formula. And I said, well, what happens if I find the formula and I put it in my book? And he just laughed. And he said, well, pretend that I've got the formula right here in my desk. Here, here it is. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, I'll put it in the book. And he said, okay, then what? said, well, maybe somebody will make it. He said, okay, what are they going to call it? How much will they charge for it? How are they going to distribute it? How are they going to advertise it? He said, basically, we could care less. We have spent well over 100 years building the brand equity of this product. We have the world's most widely distributed single product. Everybody knows the name. Everybody knows the trademark. Why would anybody go out of their way to purchase an imitation that would have to be called something else that would cost more and it would be more difficult to find. Maybe they would do it as a novelty, mm -hmm. but we're not worried. And which, he was right. Which goes to the number one uh, lesson to spell out in, in your appendix of the revised third edition, Mark, believe in yourself and believe in your product. Believe in yourself, believe in your product, and you're selling an image more than you're selling a product. The name of the book is For God, Country, and Coca-Cola. A Cultural, Social, and Economic History of 20th Century America as Seen Through the Eyes of a Grain Coca-Cola Bottle. The author of For God, Country, and Coca-Cola is Mark Pendergrass. You can find For God, Country, and Coca-Cola in bookstores everywhere as well as Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, wherever books are sold online. Mark Pendergrass' website is MarkPendergrass.com. Dot com. Mark, this is a fun conversation. We, we'll have to have another conversation about coffee one of these days. Fine with me. Thanks a lot. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. 45 years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition, the complete history of the Rockford Files, on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 years of the Rockford Files. Available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit 
the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.